0: Praise the Lord, we're back together and it's the afternoon. That's good, that means you need to stand and we need to read together. Maybe we just need to stand. They did in Nehemiah the whole time, in front of the water gate. And there were children there too. And they gave attention to the word um, all morning long till noonday. And then, Nehemiah said, go go home. Don't be sorrowful. Go home and chew the fat. Uh, enjoy. It was is an expression, you know, just in, enjoy it and uh, let the joy of the Lord be your strength. It's good to be together. And uh, I was thinking, before we, we stand, um, what Brother Bob was saying about uh, everything he said in that last session is just so very important um, about surrender. It's really true. But... Um, Ladies, could I say something to you? You you see the guys called to preach and, and serve in, in uh different roles, missionary, and oftentimes it seems like that's that's the, the center of a center of attention. But I want you to realize your value, God created you or equal. God created us in that way. There's not it's not um there's no inferiority, praise the Lord. And I hope I hope you realize that. But you you hold an incredible, an incredible power um in the work of the ministry. You you will you will help a ministry succeed or not succeed. I uh know many a pastor who God has called and and perhaps perhaps he married out of the will of the Lord, I I, I don't know. you can't always just say that. Sometimes it's just matters of surrender. And uh, because of lack of surrender, we've got to have this certain standard of living I'm not willing to sacrifice with. The um, pastor has to step out of the ministry or it greatly hinders the ministry. So I'm not trying to put an undue pressure on you, but I am trying to say this. It's not, it's not just the man's thing. It's your thing. It's your thing together. I'm thankful, um, I'm thankful that my wife senses a calling to the ministry as much as I do. And it was during a a service in this auditorium that she surrendered to the Lord. She realized she wasn't surrendered to be a pastor's wife. And uh, as Brother Bob mentioned, the Lord had called me to be a pastor at the age of 17. That's when the if came out for me. And uh, so when I I came here, I was just preparing to be a pastor. God put that on my heart. You're going to be a pastor. Okay. I didn't know when, how, and there's where a lot of the, the... the decisions of surrender came in but um i did not realize that the lord had laid um sheila on my heart and i began to pray about it and it was a it was a whole semester of time actually a whole year of time that is praying and kind of in a holding pattern on that just having to leave that with the lord well she was finishing her last year i was i was in um my um my junior year and um God worked on her while I was praying for her and really coming to confidence that the Lord would one day bring us together. Um, God worked on her in a service and she surrendered to be a pastor's wife. And was also in that service, and I'm not saying this is how it's going to happen, but you can ask her if you see her around tonight. She says, in that service, God also impressed my heart. I looked up in the choir, you were singing in the choir, and God said, and you're going to marry him. That's not how it's always going to happen, but that's how it worked with her. (laughs) And, um, But it really hinged on her surrender. Rick Flanders said something in Proverbs class that helped me. Um, He said, if you'll seek after wisdom, seek after Christ, and uh, you'll just pursue wisdom, which is Christ personified in the book of Proverbs. And you'll pursue after him, not get sidetracked with anything, but just pursue after him. There'll come a time where God will merge someone into your life that's also pursuing after wisdom. And it won't be something you have to stop and give attention to. It'll be something that seamlessly happens. And that's how it happened for me. I gave that piece of advice to a young man who was recently coming, or came to our church several years back. I encouraged him to throw away the dating apps. It's amazing how much people spend time and focus seeking, scouring the internet for, the, for a person. And I'm not saying God can, but I, I, I understand I'm not going to go there. I'm not suggesting don't get on the dating app. And I told him to delete it. And he did. And uh, I encouraged him to. I can't, I can't tell him to. Anyway, so uh, he, he kind of did his own thing again and, and sought someone. It didn't, it didn't work out. And then uh, he lost his job. And uh, he just said, it felt to me like I need to, I need to give myself in this time to the work of the ministry. So he got involved. And in, uh, during, during, uh, during our VBS, he was driving a bus and and uh one night, the kids were just being unruly we have We have a set of kids we bring in from an apartment complex man it 's like woodlawn. Do you remember that it 's like woodlawn and uh, so I mean you know hands on neck, you know that type of thing they they just get explosively mad. Well anyway, the kids were being bad this one night and uh, and some help was needed and so um, one of the young ladies that works in our children's department gets on the bus and rides home. Well, it was during that time that, you know, kind of eyes were opened, all right? Uh, oh, and he goes, he comes back to me and says, Pastor, you know, you, you told me a couple, a couple months back, I guess it'd probably been a year by that time. And he says, that came true. And I'm watching the Lord develop that relationship in his time and in his place. And it's really a beautiful thing. So I just say, I just want to encourage you, uh, ladies, your, your part in the ministry is so important. I could not do the ministry without my wife. And you're also going to have to sacrifice. There will be sacrifices you have to make. There will be hurts you will have to bear. And uh, sometimes you won't understand it, and sometimes you'll have to wrestle through it, um, wrestle through giving it over to the Lord. But you're, you're incredibly important. Your surrender is incredibly important. Not just the guy's. Guys, I, you, know, you, you, you hear this, you, you must be surrendered. And your wife will leave, You'll follow that. But uh, how important you both are in the ministry, and I'm thankful to have a ministry team. I, I see something that I don't believe is, is, is taught here, and, and, and rightly so. I, I see out in modern um, modern ministry schools that it's all about the guy, and the guy has his ministry, and the wife just does her thing. And it's very destructive. Because you get into this. You go, you do your thing, husband, and I'll do my thing. I have my life, you have your life. It's just your vocation. Well, that works when you're a CEO. That does not work when you're a pastor. And uh, you need to be lockstep together, praying together, and seeking the Lord together, and burdened together. And, and, uh, and guys, you'll seek your wife's counsel and input. Um, and... And ladies, he needs you to be walking with with God. So I don't know what all that is worth to you, but I'm incredibly thankful for my wife and just want to encourage you of your value, um, value to the ministry. Let's stand. And uh, let's get to Daniel chapter number four. Daniel chapter number four and verse number one. Nebuchadnezzar the king, unto all the people, nations, languages that dwell in the earth, peace be multiplied to you. thought it good. To show you the signs and wonders that the most, or that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs, and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is everlasting, and his dominion is from generation to generation. This is quite a change for this guy, wouldn't you agree? (laughs) I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house, flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid. And the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, made I a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. Deja vu. We've been here before. Then came in the magicians and astrologers and Chaldeans and soothsayers, and I told them, uh, uh, told the dream before them, but they did not make known unto me the interpretation. But but at the last, Daniel came in before me, whose name is Belshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. I really want you to note that. It's going to help us in future times in, in Daniel. But it's a recurring statement about Daniel. In whom the spirit of the holy gods is in. Similar to Joseph's life, and before him, I told him the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, master of the magicians. Notice he has some leadership among, among those men. Because I know that the Spirit of the Holy God is in thee, and no secret troubleth thee, tell me the vision, visions of my dream that I have seen and the interpretation thereof. Thus were the visions of my head. In my bed I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. The tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached unto the heaven, and the sight thereof to the the end of all the earth. And the leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and it was meat for all. The beast of the field had shadow under it. And the fowls of of heaven dwelt in the boughs thereof, and all flesh was fed of it. I saw in the vision of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and an holy one came from heaven. He cried aloud and said, hew down the tree and cut off his branches, shake off his leaves and scatter his fruit. Let the beasts get away from under it, and the fowls from his branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with dew, the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beast in the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from man's, and let a beast's heart be given unto him, and uh, and let seven times pass over him. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomever he will and setteth over it the basest of men. This dream I, Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now thou, O belshazzar Declare the interpretation thereof, for as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make it known unto me the interpretation, but thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. Let's be seated. Father, thank you for this opportunity once again to open up your word. And Lord, I want to just pause and thank you for these students and their heart for you and this place. Lord, I thank you for the, the many years of faithfulness, just doing the next right thing. Thank you for Pastor Van and his, his vision for a college that would highlight holy living, uh, faith-based living, walking by the Spirit. Lord, I thank you for the many students that have come through uh, these doors and uh, are preparing, have prepared, are preparing for the ministry And I pray that you would increase the number. You told us to pray for laborers. And so I I pray right now for laborers from this room, uh, laborers now, laborers for the the future harvest. I pray that you would stir in the hearts of more young people across our churches to to step into preparation for the ministry and uh, to follow after you. Lord, so we thank you for this place. Lord, we also thank you for the provision of today. We thank you for life. We thank you for the food we just ate. We thank you for this building in which we can meet in the comfort during the midst of this snowstorm. Lord, we thank you for the beauty of the snow and how it just reminds us that though our sins were as crimson, they should be white as snow. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity just to open up your word. Pray that you would give us focus right now and just alertness. Lord, you know our humanity that even after we've eaten, we, we tend to uh, want to rest. I pray that you just give us alertness, spiritual alertness in this hour. And I ask that you would do spiritual work in our hearts. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, have you ever given up on a hope? Like a, something that you kind of wished for or really wanted? A, a vision? Um, something that, boy, that's what I'd like to do. Have you ever gotten really close to it and then you're like, ah, it's just not worth it. I'm just going to give up. Throw in the towel. I think of Daniel and his friends as they were ripped out of their homeland. Um, I think if you want a picture of some of the brutality of, of Daniel's day in that area, you could look to some of the brutality that we've seen in recent weeks and months here, um, coming out of Gaza and in uh, different places like that. Just, just brutality. And uh, I haven't mentioned this um, yet, but... Daniel was brought, and his three friends were brought, and as part of preparing them for, uh, for service to the king and standing in the king, many believe that uh, Daniel was made, made a eunuch. It means he'd never have a family. So, beyond being ripped away from his family, you also have the reality that um, his potential, his life, his dreams have been crushed. Um, have been taken away from him. And so there's a, there's a lot of animosity that he could have lived with toward the king. Uh, serving before the king, but not doing one extra thing. Not one more thing for him. I'll, I'll stand here. I'll, uh, I'll do what you tell me to do, but there is no way I'm going any, anywhere extra for you. I'm not going to take any extra mile for you. And what I see in the life of Daniel and his friends, now that Daniel and his friends are, uh, Daniel's more in focus in this passage of scripture, but his friends are still around and, and still working and living and doing what they're supposed to do. I see in the life of Daniel, one who doesn't just survive in this very, very difficult environment, a, an environment that has a lot of hurt for him, but he did, he did actually thrive. Uh, he actually grew there. He actually uh, served the Lord there. And it's really easy for you and I to have something on our hearts. You, you're, you, you're at this stage of your life of preparation and you've, uh, you've been given something by God and, 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 and then you get to a point, you get done with school and, and then it's like, now what do I do? And the Lord puts you in, in a place and you say, well, this isn't what I feel like I was called to. For me, it was, I was called to be a pastor Right after school, I was supposed to go take an assistant pastorate with a salary. And I, I ultimately had to make a choice because of some doctrinal, doctrinal uh, situations. Some men in my life, they said, are you sure about this? And their counsel was wise. And, and so I, I ultimately opted, hey, I'm not going to go there. But what did that do? That set me in a in a church. And I was grateful to be with my father-in-law there at Grace Baptist and be able to learn from his ministry. And, but it still wasn't a position, it still wasn't, didn't feel to me like what God had called me to do like, as soon as I wanted it to happen. And I told our church that God, God put me there and put a paintbrush in my hand for like five years. Serve in the work of the ministry, throw yourself at it, but paint. So I had to surrender to that. It, for me, was the backside of the desert. And you know what? It could have been easy to just say, you know what, I'm going to give up on this. It doesn't seem like God's coming through in what he's called me to do. Again, uh, Brother Flanders has come through our church, and I, I, I talked to him shared some of these burdens. I, I feel like God's called me a pastor, but I don't see that, that reality. I don't see that happening in a full-time way and, and so forth. And the Lord, Lord used all that. But back to my original question, have you ever had something that you, you, you knew? This is, this is what God's called me to do, but... Right before the breakthrough, you, you tend to give up. Daniel didn't do that. Daniel could have given up so many times. I, what's the use? I've been hurt. Uh, no one cares. If I don't do exactly what they want me to do, they kill me. Like, what's the use in this? This, this is kind of a, a crazy deal. And it would have been so easy for Daniel just to give up in all the opposition, all the trials, all the setbacks, all the disappointments, all the hurts that he was daily living with. He was serving a king that was proud, was vengeful, and he, he catered to those that flattered him. So if you flattered him, oh, king, live forever. You were in the on good side. And if you did what he wanted, he, he was good with you. But the moment you messed up, he was done with you. Daniel could have given up. Daniel had no reason to thrive, but he did. And this particular story, Daniel chapter number 4, really shows us the conversion story of Nebuchadnezzar, where uh, through the, the ministry of Daniel, this, this young man who had been hurt by, by Nebuchadnezzar's uh, decrees, uh, this young man thrived and, and, and continued to serve him, even though it, he had many things he could have been very hurt and, and, and stuck on he continued to just thrive in that environment and the Lord used him. I think you've gotten it by now, but over and over, um, Daniel just keeps getting used as he, as he rises above the hurts, as he rises above the opposition, as he trusts the Lord and God shows up in his, in his life. And again, I want us to see that here today. And so this message really is about thriving in difficult situations, thriving in Babylon. Hey, we need to thrive. We can't just survive. There's a lot of people that are, hold on to the rapture. Let's just hold on. Jesus is coming. Let's just. You, uh, God doesn't build churches anymore. Not churches that take a stand anymore. Just, let's just hold on. No, we need to thrive. Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't always thrive. And most of the time, when I'm not thriving, there has to come a point of surrender where I say, okay, Lord, I submit to where you have me right now. I submit to this season of life. And, uh, and God will call us to those points often, but we need to, we need to learn to thrive. Notice in, in verses 1 through 18, notice that, that God was working in, in Nebuchadnezzar's life. He was working in his life. Uh, notice in verses 1 through 3 that, that we just read that the king says to all people, all nations, all languages, a public press release. I want you all to know some really important things, and he praised God. Now that's, that's a far cry from what we heard earlier in chapter number three, when he's, he's saying, hey, who is that king that's going to deliver you, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, out of my hand? And now he's praising the God of Daniel in front of, uh, in front of Daniel and in front of all people in the, the world. He wants all the world to know that that Daniel's God is really good, and that He's great, and that He's above all things, and that God has done something wonderful in His life. And you know, people can have a remo- an emotional response to God, and we even see that in chapter three. There's a, a bit of a an emotional response that we saw in in, in chapter three in verses twenty-eight. Uh, an emotional, hey, God's great, and you know, the world Satan loves to keep people running on emotions much of the the modern contemporary church is simply this stirring up of emotions. It doesn't translate to Monday. Satan loves to keep people caught up in that. Emotions without heart change. That's why church services built around emotion are so damaging and so ineffective. Doesn't mean that there isn't emotion. Music should move us. Preaching should move us. And sometimes emotion is involved. But trying to use emotion to, uh, to perform that is another deal. So people can have an emotional response, a feel-good response to, to a music or message, but no heart change. That's not what we're after. But here Daniel is, is, is relaying for us under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, listen, that, that something's going on in, in the king's life. He's now praising God, and it seems to be heartfelt. I just remind us that that Daniel has had the opportunity to preach and declare truth and truth is all ultimately what changes a person's life. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 1 and 18 that the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness but unto us that are saved it is the power of God unto salvation. It is truth that's going to change a person's life. Make sure that you center your ministries around truth, just like Daniel did over and over. Here's the truth, king, and again today, we're going to hear how he preached the truth. He told the truth. Now, notice in verse 4 that God was pursuing the king. He was pursuing the king. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and and flourishing. I saw a dream. What was God trying to do? He's trying to, again, get the king's attention. Now, what did the king initially do in verse six? He called again for his his counselors and his magicians, and I I I need you to come in and give me the interpretation. It seems like he would learn. He didn't. These guys couldn't give him anything. They they had no understanding of life. All the the gurus that are on on TV telling people how to live their lives, they can't really tell. They're, They're destitute of God's truth. Yet the world continues to go back to them. Well, I heard so-and-so say on TV that if I did this, my life would turn out better. You know, it's really sad when, when churches are turned into something not much more than that. So he's called these guys together, seeking their wisdom, worldly wisdom, you could say. And it says in verse number seven, but they could not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. Listen. The church of the living God is not threatened by all the worldly wisdom that it is out there. Unless we start adopting it. Unless we start you know, taking it into our hearts. But there comes a point in a person's life where they realize that doesn't work. And they come searching. I love it when people come into our church and, and they have been trying and trying many different things. And they got, they got exasperated. They got thirsty and they came to church. It's really fun. It's fun to watch that happen. And I, I have to get the sense here that, again, oh, you, guys, you guys didn't interpret it for me, but Daniel, but a man of God, someone with some spiritual maturity and some spiritual insight, walking with the Spirit of God. And, and, and so it's amazing how Daniel, again, shows up on the scene. He's seeking, he's seeking truth, going to the wrong places. Listen, we want to be in the place. We want to be in a position to answer that when they come seeking, just like Daniel was able to. The dream in verses 10 through 17, we read it, was about this tall tree, and this, this tree was full, and it was beautiful, just like the Babylon, the great city, and it, it fed and nourished many people. It, its wealth was, was able to help many different people, and people uh, rested in the shadow of it, and so it's all kind of illustrative of how, how seemingly nourishing Babylon was to the nations and to all the people. And then this cry comes to cut down the tree. Did you notice that the pronouns for this tree were his? Referencing Nebuchadnezzar and all that he was doing for the world seemingly. And it talks about his heart being changed from a man's heart to the heart of a, for, unto our heart of a beast. And why was this dream given? The, the final verse helps us to understand that, that he would know that the most high ruleth in the affairs of men. You might feel like you're, you're big and you, you're, you're worth something to the whole world, but you can be cut down in an instant, Nebuchadnezzar, and, and, and your, your fruit shaken off and the, the beast scattered. That all can happen in an, in an instant. We also need to remember, as we watch world leaders today and, and different leaders, uh, sometimes people can get so focused and we've got to see that changed. Listen, God has the ability to change that. And we need to trust his hand and that he is working even when it does not seem like it. For seven years, his heart was going to be changed into a beast heart. And God was using this message, this dream to stir and to trouble, to trouble the king. God is able to go where we can. Do you remember, if, if you give the word of God and if you, if you are are revealing to people, taking the word of God and giving it to them, the Holy Spirit of God will use that in the quiet moments of their life. You can trust on it. You can bank on it. So this is going on in his life. God is working in his life. But I want us to notice uh, in the number two that Daniel was used in his life. Daniel was used there. God had him there for a purpose. God had him There in Nebuchadnezzar's life for a purpose. Look at verse number eight with me. It says, but at the last, Daniel came in. So all the others had come in. They filed through. We don't know, king. I don't know either. But at the last, Daniel files through, and he came before me, whose name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my gods, and whom the spirit of the holy gods... And before him, I told the dream, saying, And so he relays it to Daniel. Ah, Daniel's answer. Finally, I can get something. Now, perhaps Daniel, as the the chief over all these guys, could have said, You guys go handle this. I don't know if he had the right to stay out of the, the palace that day, but the fact is, he was there. And he's there with a good spirit, respectful attitude. Verse number nine, the king says in you is the spirit of the holy God. No secret trouble with thee. And the king knew that Daniel's demeanor, his calm demeanor, that, that even when he was troubled, Daniel wasn't troubled about things. And I want us just to realize that Daniel stayed in, in Nebuchadnezzar's life. There's a difference between being in somebody's life and in somebody's life. What I mean by that, you can get an attitude towards somebody where you you. You walk the same hallway with them. You're in the same church with them, but you're not really with them. It happens all the time in churches. They used to sit and you know, have some friendship with this person, but now they sit on the other side of the auditorium to avoid them. They take the other hall to get out the, the exit door so they don't have to pass them. I face it as a, as a pastor. It grieves me when, when people will, will not take time to greet the pastor. They, they beeline out. And I have to go, go chase them down and, and see what's going on in their life to try, to try to help them. But you can be in somebody's life and not in it. And I believe Daniel was not just in the room, but he was in his life. And it was, it was something that his heart was bent. Even though this, this man is the reason for much of the hurt in his life, he was still in his life. And I just want to encourage you, stay present in people's lives. And that's a message for right now. Listen, as Brother Bob mentioned a little bit ago, the early days of this college were pioneering work. As a pastor, you're going to start some things that you're like, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know what the end is. I don't know what this is going to look like in five years from now. I just know that God wants me to do it. And you know what? You won't always do the exact right thing, or you'll look back, well, I wish I would have known that ten years ago. But there came a point where I even realized, after I became pastor, I realized, and we had a conversation, Ah, now I understand some of the things that Pastor Van was going through in those early days. Now, it looked to me like, man, I'm a young pastor, a young, young, young man called in the ministry, and boy, I know how this should have happened. You know what, I didn't know how it should happen. Until you walk in a pastor's shoes, you just don't, you don't understand the burden, the pressure, the, the trying to meld all the different pieces of information together to make a decision, you just, you don't understand. But it's easy in these moments right now. And when you walk across this platform, get your diploma and say, well, I don't agree with this, this, and this, and this. You know what? You'll never agree with everything. You won't. There's probably some things Pastor Van didn't agree with me on and some things I don't agree with him on. You know, we're two different people. But you know, praise God, God's called us to serve in this generation. I've benefited marvelously from his ministry. But I know this you need to stay present in people's lives. You need to stay there. Stay a part of it. Let's apply that a little bit further, though, to the unsaved and staying in their lives. You know, it's easy to say, you know what? I'm done with you. I can think of a man right now. I preached his funeral. Uh, last year, the end of last year. And uh, Pastor Shaw worked with him, tried to lead him to the Lord. I tried to lead him to the Lord. We had a great relationship. Um, but I ended up preaching his funeral after he died suddenly. And he never accepted Jesus Christ. Very difficult funeral to preach. Some of the family members were very upset at me for preaching the gospel. But I know this, that even after I, I left him the last time, he, he turns to his wife and he, She said, he didn't give me the message, his message. Now, he knew exactly what the message was. He was resisting it over and over. But um, he he said, I I will not receive. I will not receive Jesus Christ. Very, very difficult thing. But I, I I can sleep knowing that stayed present in his life. Was there, loved him, took his phone calls, had coffee with him stay present in his life. Um, it's easy sometimes to give up on people. I, I can think of in the chaplaincy, sometimes it's really a blessing to me when I'll walk the halls of the police department and some people will give me the time of day. Others will not give me the time of the day. And that's just goes with the territory. I got a call a couple of weeks ago from a, a guy. who he says, Hey, I need to bring you in on something. I need to talk to you about something. And, uh, It was someone that had been pretty cold to me. But that day, God met, and I was able to sit in his office and pray with him because of a pretty difficult thing that had happened the night before. And I just remember the fact hey, stopping in, hey, you doing okay today? You doing okay today? Staying present in people's lives. We are fortunate people with text messaging, but some of you, I'll just say that we all have this, this potential. Sometimes a person texts you and it'll be days before you respond to that. Stay present in their life. Like, tr- treat, them, treat them right. Send hey, thanks. or you know, Even now, Apple's made it so easy, you can send back a, you know, a thumbs up or a thumbs down or an exclamation point. You don't even have to think about an answer. <laughs> Stay present in people's lives. There are people that God has put you in their lives and you need to just touch, touch them as the Holy Spirit prompts you. Do you ever think about somebody just kind of out of the blue while they just kind of pop into your mind? I have a lady in our, in our church that recently lost her brother, and she's really had a very difficult time. Sunday morning, I, I prayed for her, and then she wasn't there Sunday morning. And Sunday night, she comes up to me after the service, and she wanted to share something. She had a big smile on her face, which was a great blessing. And uh, I just looked at her and I said, you know, I prayed for you specifically this morning. Beams came across her, her face. You know the Holy Spirit prompts you for a reason. You know, stay in people's lives. So here's, here's Daniel. He's in his life. He's not there by choice. God's put him there. And he's not there without hurt. He's been deeply wounded in this position. But he stays in their life. Even when I've had people, and I've had people leave the church and, 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 and hurt or you know, and, and turn on. It, it's a very, very difficult thing. But as much as the Lord enables me to do so, as if I have a final conversation with them, I'll say something like this, my door's always open to you. Now, they may not believe that, they may not receive that, whatever. I recently had a, a man call me back uh, and say, hey, Pastor, I'm in a really very difficult spot. And I know you have no reason to talk back to me. But um, I'm in a difficult position. And, uh, and I'd like you to forgive me for how I treated you and, and then he shared, shared what he was going through. I was able to just text him back and said, hey, you're forgiven, and I'm really appreciative of your text. But I'll tell you the importance of just staying in people's lives. So, listen, it's easy when you're full of zeal to burn bridges and to give up on people. Don't do that here. Don't do that out there. I've I've walked through that. It's easy to burn bridges. Well, I don't agree with them, or I don't like the way they did this, or I don't like how they treated me. Don't burn bridges. Be very careful about that. And so Daniel was in his life. How long? Well, this is where, where the kicker is. To this point, it's been 35 years. This isn't like... Two years, this is 35 years. This isn't four years of college, this is 35 years he's in his life. Chapter 1, 605 BC. Chapter 3 is, is 580 BC, we believe. And chapter 4 is 570 BC. Some, some 35 years that Daniel has stayed in his life. So I encourage you to do the same. Daniel was compassionate in verse number 19. Look, Daniel had been hurt by this man, but listen to the words of Daniel. As he's heard this dream, as he understands what God is trying to say to to, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he says this to him. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for one hour and his thoughts troubled him. The king spake to him and said, Belteshazzar, let, uh, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, the dream be to thee, to, to, the, to them that hate thee, and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. What's he saying? This is not a good dream, king, for you. Now, if Daniel had animosity in his heart, what he could have done at this point is saying, I'm going to share this, and in my heart, I'm going to be really, I'm cheering for what God is bringing to the king. Like, finally, some justice. Go get him, God. No, he's astonished. He's appalled. He's struck with the dread, the fear of what was about to happen in his life. I, I, I just realized that, that Daniel, Daniel had a love for the king, even though the king had hurt him. He respected him. He had, he had a care about him. And I wonder today, I wonder, do you seek the good of the lost and even those that have hurt you? You're going to have to. If you're going to stay in people's life, you'll have to be compassionate to them even when they have hurt you. You you should show genuine love and care for them, even when they've um, brought trouble into your life, and even cause you to have to sacrifice. Sometimes, not just emotionally and spiritually, but physically. Does your heart get happy when you see someone getting what they deserve? Did did Nebuchadnezzar deserve this? Well, yeah. He did. He's kind of a jerk. But Daniel's like, I'm appalled. Because what I, what I have to share with you, I really wish it was for your enemies. That's a lot of love. And the lost will see that love in our heart for them. So we need to have that. Stay in their lives. Be compassionate. Have the heart of Christ where where their condition as, as sheep without a shepherd really does actually bother you. Jesus looked over Jerusalem and he wept. Why? Because they were wandering aimlessly without a shepherd for their soul. And so Daniel was present and he was compassionate, but he was faithful. He was faithful to declare the truth. Moreover, it is required in the stewards that a man be found faithful. Do the right thing at the right time. And so he interprets the dream. Verse number 20. Look at it with me. Then the tree that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose heights reached unto the heaven and the the sight thereof to all the earth. And he goes on to interpret this dream. And I want to walk through this. The tree was very great. He says, you got that right, king. The tree was great. It's thou, O king. He says, and, and he goes on in verse number 20 on 22. It is thou, O king, that are grown and, and become strong for thy greatness is grown and reaches unto the heaven and thy dominion to the end of the earth. You're a world leader. You're powerful and God is talking about you, O king. But the bad news is, verse 23 Whereas the king saw a watcher and a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, hew down the the tree and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the the roots thereof uh, in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beast of the field till seven times pass over. This interpretation, this is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon the Lord the King, my Lord the King, that they shall drive thee from among men and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And he goes on to say how he's going to begin to eat like the beast and so on. So the bad news, king, is this is all about you. You're going to be cut down. You're going to be driven from among men. You're going to have your place out in the field. It's interesting that in modern times, the mental illness known as Zoanthropy, it's an illness observed um, in a person that they think themselves as an animal and act like one. Now, <laughs> it's taken on a different, different uh, feel today because that's, that's happening more and more. In fact, if you watch the news, there was a, there was a, a gathering of about a thousand people in Germany in the Berlin, uh, in, a, in the area of Berlin, and uh, they actually had people call in on them, they were out, just this huge group of people out there, uh, they thought they were dogs, they had dressed up as dogs, they were barking like dogs, and uh, it, it, was, it was quite something in the city square, so it's, it's, it's actually a reality, um, I don't know if that's exactly what Nebuchadnezzar was going through, but but... We do see um, people confused in that, in that way today, uh, thinking they're animals and acting like one. Uh, you can identify as anything anymore. But for, for, for the king, this was the reality. God was going to drive him from the palace, and he was going to have his dwelling place out in the, the fields, and he was going to eat like a beast, he would look like a beast, and for seven years this would happen. Why? To teach this king that the Most High ruleth in the affairs of man. So God is able to do that, and he does it very well. You and I can't do that well, but God does it really well. And so he drives him forward, and this is, this is what Daniel again has the, the un, unenviable position to have to stand in front of the world leader of the day and say, hey, listen, it's not going to just go on, oh, king, live forever. God is about ready to step into your life, and he's about ready to demote you. The invitation that Daniel gives in verse 27 Says, Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee. Break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. Listen, we hear all this stuff about, you know, not giving invitations, not inviting people to make decisions about the truth they've just heard preached. It's all over Scripture. And right here, God gave a message through Daniel. And what did Daniel do? All right. Here's my counsel. Right now, you break off your your sins. You you turn from your sin. You start doing the right thing. You start showing mercy to the poor. You do the right thing. And so he's invited. And it's right for us to to invite people to to make a choice about truth. It's right for you to be invited in this place to make a a, a decision about truth and and to walk in the light of that decision. And I, I really like to see this in Daniel's life, this example of him saying, here's the truth, here's what God said. And now the authority, because God has said it, I'm inviting you to make a decision about it. And so he had this opportunity to respond to the the truth of God's word. Did he? No. But he had this opportunity. And we must be faithful to deliver even the bad news to people in a loving spirit. In a loving spirit. And let them know exactly where they stand before a holy yet loving God. Uh, I think sometimes we we might err on giving the truth but not having the compassion coupled with it and we see in daniel's life oh king this this is this dream i wish it was for your enemies but it's not here's the truth and i'm encouraging you to listen to god um, sometimes a tear needs to be shed when sharing truth uh, we're not too macho right Uh, to allow the Lord to break our hearts for somebody when they're about ready to step into consequences. Say, listen, if you just listen to the Lord, he's going to help you out of this. So Daniel's giving the truth, and it's from a compassionate heart. And I love how this this story ends up in verses 34 through 37. Nebuchadnezzar is changed. He's out there for seven years. I guess I would want to change after something like that. 7 years that's not that's, that's a lot of time you you go through 4 years of college and seminary before you're done with that talk about the, the college and seminary of the of the field like i mean it's it, that's a hard place to place to learn but he is out there and he's learning out there that, that he's not big stuff like he thinks he is god's bigger than him And so look at verse number 34. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes unto the heavens and my understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is everlasting and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And God brought him to the bottom, brought him out to the field so that he would be able to look up and see there is a God in heaven and it's not me. He looked to God, verse 34. He recognized the supremacy of God in verse number 35. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? What do we hear in the last chapter? Who's the God that can save you out of my hand? And now he's saying to Daniel, I learned over the last seven years that there's none that can stay his hand. That's pretty awesome. It's wonderful when when the reality of God becomes apparent to people. Verse 36, God restored to him his kingdom. Remember, the the stump was left and it it was a sign that you aren't completely being rooted out You'll, you'll again grow. There will be a time where God will restore you. Verse number 36, and at the same, same time, my reason returned unto me and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me and my counselors and my lords sought unto me and I was established in my kingdom and excellent majesty was added unto me. God cut him down so he could restore him in, 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 back into that place. And it's just amazing how that, that Nebuchadnezzar was, was turned from himself His self-worship, thinking that life was all about him, that he was the king over all things, to God. And we see that clearly in his testimony. But verse number 37, he testified to the change. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. All of his works are truth and his ways judgment and those who walk in pride he is able to abase. Take it from me, he's able to do it. So no longer did the king exalt himself, he exalted God. God's able to do that. Just remember, God used Daniel present in his life to help accomplish this. At the end of the story, when God uses you, you won't be the focal point of the story. God will be the focal point of the story. It won't be you changing somebody's life. Listen, if you you think in the ministry you can change people and you can get them to do what you want, no, you cannot. We have a hard enough time just getting ourselves to do what we, what we ought to. Do you remember what Paul said? The good that I would, I do not. And the, uh, What I don't want to do, I do. I, I struggle with my own self. I constantly have to keep under my body. Well, we can't control people, but we can be agents of God, ambassadors of God in their life, staying present in their life, happily present in their life, thriving, and this isn't a word, thrivingly put, on present in their life, so that God can use us to, to see great things accomplished and he testifies of the change. I believe that the king was converted. I want you to turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. What was said about surrendering our thinking, our standard of living, all of those things. If you're going to thrive in somebody's life, if you're going to thrive where God has put you, it's going to, it's going to require constant surrender. There's always going to be this this, you know, maybe I should just give up. Maybe I'm not doing the right thing. I don't see the blessing right now. It takes time. What did Paul say to the Corinthian believers? 2 Corinthians 4 and verse number 8. We're troubled on every side. Wow, that sounds like a successful ministry. Yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Modern day Christianity, especially here in America, paints a picture of ministry that it's always going to be this wonderful, grand, high life type of thing. It's always a great Sunday. You know, it's not always a great Sunday. Ministry has, has struggles. Sometimes the battle is real, and it's messy. And Paul's saying to them, listen, we faced a lot of trouble. But we weren't in despair. We, we, didn't, we didn't sink to the bottom. Why? Because we knew God was doing something for, here he answers it, for we which live are always delivered unto the death for Jesus' sake, and the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh, so then death worketh in us, but life in you. So our problems, our hurts, our struggles ended up helping us to minister life in you. You know what Daniel lived? He lived 35 years there with a hurt. You took me from my homeland. You took my, my potential to even have a family. You've robbed me of so much of the potential that God created me with. But I'm going to stay here. I'm going to thrive. The death that happened in me resulted in life for the king. Conversion. You can get a bad attitude and you can serve God in your place. I a bad attitude and just, I mean, I'll stay here. I'll do what God tells me to do, but I'm not going to be happy about it. Listen, that's not going to create life. We need to thrive. We need to thrive. And I'll just be honest, I struggle with that sometimes. I already told you that. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a real, it's a real battle. If you read through Psalm 42 and 43, you see that David was in that battle many times. I, I, I imagine if you ask any, any preacher, any person in the ministry, there's, there's a battle right there. I love seeing in the life of Daniel. Here's a man that didn't just survive, I'll just I'll just bide my time here. He survived he thrived there. He lived out his days for the glory of God and God used him to change a king's life. You know, on the other side of this, Daniel's still there. Daniel's still there and continues to serve not just this king but two other kings as we'll learn in the days ahead, but my encouragement to us right now is are you thriving? where God has put you? Are you thriving in the relationships that God has given you? That person, oh man, I just, I don't know what to do with them. They've hurt me so much. Are you thriving in that relationship? Or could I ask, will you choose to thrive in that? Will you choose to accept that God has put you in that place at this time for a reason it might only be known to God, but you'll see in time. And so let's take a moment today to just ask the Lord to help us to be like Daniel and to thrive not just survive but thrive. Father, again, we thank you for this example and we ask that you would help us to walk in the light of it. And we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Let's stand. When I want to ask you this afternoon, like Daniel, don't think that the trials, afflictions, oppositions and so on, are an indicator that you should quit. Just thrive. Don't give up on people, just thrive. God's working when you can't see it, just thrive. And all the way along here, you need the help of the Lord. So would you find a place to pray this afternoon? Say, Lord, I certainly do need your help to thrive. I've not been thriving as I ought to, but I sure need your help. And as the music plays, however the Lord has worked in your heart, this afternoon, would you pray and seek the Lord Right now is the music place.